Hello, and welcome to Glory Be, interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Father Vince Fernandez, and we're joined by our producer, Mike Malcolm. Today, as a guest, we have Sister Lucy Fitzmorris. Sister Lucy was born and raised in Yukon, Oklahoma. She graduated from the University of Oklahoma with a BS and an MS in Computer Engineering, she made her first vows on July 11, 2020 at St. Joseph Monastery here in Tulsa, and currently she spends two days a week attending her scholastic classes at the monastery, and then three days working as an IT assistant at Monte Casino School. Sister Lucy, it's great to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, how are you doing? How's, uh, how's your pandemic going? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's going. It, uh... It's been a, an interesting experience to be starting back at the school again. And part of my uniform is masks, but, you know, right, right. we're getting there. Yeah. It says, uh, so you said you're taking your scholastic classes right now. Um, uh, what, does that, what does that mean? Like, what are scholastic classes? So, um, even though I have first vows, I'm still very much in formation. So, I have classes with the sisters at the monastery. Um we study like uh, so we have a constitution for the monastery that we live by. So learn more about it. Um, desert tradition. Just uh, I think soon we'll be starting on some of the documents from Vatican II. Okay. So, now, do you study the? I'm sorry. Do you study the rule of Saint Benedict? I do. With Sister Julia is my teacher for it. She. Uh, we did the uh, a lot of the kind of earlier chapters have a lot more to do with spirituality. So we studied those when I was a novice, and then now we're going to start moving into some more kind of nuts and bolts, like the cellar and the abbot and things like that. So, well, that's a big so. difference uh, from uh, what were you computer engineering? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so what it is a little? Now you said you went to OU. That's something we have in common, Boomer Sooner. Um, so you were at OU, you were studying engineering. Uh, were you involved in campus ministry there before? What what drew you? Yeah, so uh, I was active at St. Moore. So I uh, attended there the whole time I was in college, and I worked on the leadership team. And then I uh, helped run the one team at the time, which was the retreat team that gave confirmation retreats to high schoolers around the diocese. Oh, cool. And, uh, so I got to lead that, which was really a lot of fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yep. So, so we had. Yeah. What did you do with those kids? So you helped you. Did you run the confirmation program or? Uh, we just did retreats. So for the archdiocese, they had a couple of retreats during their confirmation. Uh, and so, uh, parishes would invite us to come in they were really i really enjoyed it because every parish had a different feel you could tell even with the high schoolers um and so you could tell some of them had knew lots of things knowledge but like they were still learning how to kind of apply all of it in life and then others you had the opposite where they were very much applying and some of the knowledge was <laughs> interesting but uh we just we had a lot of fun it uh and it was a good chance for us as college students, we weren't that much further ahead of them, but right. we could really kind of witness to them and um, just kind of 
show them like just how joyful we were and hopefully that they would kind of pick up on it. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, so back to the monastery. So you are, no offense to the sisters over there, but you're probably like the youngest person by like 30 years. <laughs> is that right? I, I don't know. Out, yeah. <laughs> so what is it? Yeah. I mean, like I, I, you know, most of my life is I'm with old people, right? Cause I'm a priest and you know, most people who come to church are old. No, you know, they're great. I love them. I love them. They're awesome. But then for <laughs> you, this is your community, right? These are like all the people you hang out with. So what do you, what do you guys do? Like hanging out wise, like what you do over the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> did you watch the, o- what, what, OU, what do we do over the weekend? The OU football game. You guys tailgate and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, this week it was pay-per-view, so we didn't get to watch, but uh, we definitely got the score up. But you got to know, we'll watch sports, which I don't particularly... It was not something I did before I got to the monastery. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of picked it up since then, but uh, yeah, so we'll do that. I really always enjoy board games, so a lot of times we'll play board games. Their cards are a big hit around here, but, you know, it... Uh, we have, there's plenty of ways to have fun, that's for sure. <laughs> now, your primary yeah. work there at the monastery right now is you're the, the IT. What, what are you doing? The IT assistant? Yeah, so I do IT at the school, but then some at the monastery. I'm, I forget what the official title. It's like IT. I can't remember now. But anywho, I help some with the sisters' computers, but we've also, with most people, we have found out that our Wi Fi is not able to handle copious amounts of web like uh, webinars and zoom calls so i'm in the process of upgrading all of our systems <laughs> so quite interesting <laughs> yeah so how old is the is the building that you're living in yeah so um the original school was built in 26 and then the boarding so the monastery was originally the boarding um building for the women so it was built just a little bit later but yeah like late late 20s um roughly they had to kind of stop construction for a little bit but yeah so it's um i always joke that it was not built with wi-fi in mind so we, uh, yeah it's it's its own challenges for sure so you moved you did you visit before you joined this particular monastery did you visit other monastery or other sisters other convents yeah, so I uh, so I went to um, Mount St. Mary's in Oklahoma City for my high school. So uh, I got to know some of the Sisters of Mercy. We had a few teach, and then um, one of them used to run the pastoral ministry program in the Archdiocese, and I audited some classes there. So I spent a lot of time with them, um, but they just weren't quite the right fit for me. So in college, though, me and some of my friends uh, set up a nun run, so spring break we drove to maryland and back in like nine days oh my gosh we visited i can't remember eight communities or something like that oh my gosh um, and just whole like everything like so sisters of mercy is a very active apostolic communities to like the pink sisters in st louis who are completely cloistered and con- contemplative and then just like everything in between uh it was a blast but <laughs> that is yeah was that your idea like that is just a a really cool idea. Other people have done it, but yeah, we just instigated it. We got, there were a couple of us that were discerning and we kind of were, we didn't think it was quite fair that the men had a discernment group to become priests. <laughs> so we uh, started our own for women. 
And so that was, it really was a great support structure for me, um, just to know that I wasn't alone by other people to discern with. Um, so a few of us, so I'm here. One of the women is a um, servant of the Lord, and uh, she's actually missioned in Iceland now. Wow. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah, so. What made you choose um, the Sisters of St. Joseph then? Like what, uh, what kind of, so you saw, you visited how many convents and for, you know, a while, but then you end up choosing here in Tulsa. So what was, what kind of went into that discernment? Um, I, I have to admit, I watched Sister Julia's uh, podcast, so make sure I didn't uh, (laughs) say too much of the same stuff as her, but part of it is true. It's part of the, you just like, you just feel like it fits, um, uh, I guess for me, a little bit of it was, I don't know, we just started reading Orthodoxy as a book study in the community. So we're only a couple chapters in, but it's G.K. Chesterton. But mm-hmm. um, he talks a lot about how, uh, like, the the romance of our faith life and that you always have this bit of it's challenging and it calls us to adventure, but then but it also feels comfortable at home. Um, so you kind of have that dual paradox. And I think that's kind of when I got here, um, even when I wasn't sh- sure that I was necessarily being called to the religious life, I could tell that something in my soul was resonating with what was here. So for me, it was less of I chose the monastery as more of I was always created Benedictine. Like I can tell even looking back when I was younger, I had a Benedictine spirit. I just didn't name for it yet. I didn't realize what it was. And so when I came here, it kind of helped it made all those pieces come into place and I realized, Oh, this, this is my path. <laughs> so. Oh, so, so what is, when you say that I had a Benedictine spirit, like, what does that look like? What do, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah. I think like one of the things that struck me the most, which I didn't expect was, um, sorry, our vow of stability. So it's different from most other communities. Um, and at first that seemed kind of scary because <laughs> it's that I'm staying here forever type of thing and with these people. But I think I saw that a lot growing up. Like, um, so my parents, so I grew up in Yukon. Um, we never changed parishes. My parents have the same house they bought as a starter house when they were first married. Um, but kind of getting to grow up in the parish, I got to see everyone else grow up around me. I've gotten to know the same people and see their faith lives and their families change and to kind of build something that, and you couldn't, if you got mad at somebody else at church, you had to work it out because right. going to church together next week. And, uh, and I really always appreciated that. Um, and it was really hard. Like when I went to college and people were moving all the time and you would know people for a year and same way the leadership was always changing because we were graduating and that was really hard. And I think now I realize that was, I've always liked that stability, that uh, it's that I'm still here. I can't run. Mm. <laughs> I have to uh, dive in deep here and not go anywhere. But just things like that, that's like, oh, this is just, this is how I grow. This is how I find God. Um, yeah, especially that the community, which is what really kind of sets Benedictines apart from a lot of other communities. Um, I can just, uh, I really, really appreciate those. <laughs> well, that is, uh, 
Beautiful, really. I, I, I never really thought about that because we interviewed a Jesuit last week and he talked a lot about being missioned and going out and, uh, and, ne- and I never really understood stability being, being in one place. So, I mean, I, I guess it just never occurred to me. That was, uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's really a neat thing to, to discover that feeds your spirit and is how you find God. Yeah, especially with what you mentioned about like community too. You know, like you have to, you have to figure it out, right? You can't run away. Versus like, you know, you're in a parish, and then the priests change, and you're like, all right, I'm going to a new parish. You know, that kind of thing. But here, in in any kind of Christian community, in any kind of religious life, you're like, okay, I'm with these people. Especially, yeah, Benedictines, like stability, right? Like, I'm going to live to you forever, and <laughs> we can't hate each other for yeah. the rest of our lives. That would be really tough. Yeah, it's kind of like being married. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> right. Right. yeah, as a married person, no, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have uh-huh. to learn to live and grow together on that journey of faith. Yeah, and like you said, work things out, kind of in yep. the parish. So, um, what is it like? Like, what does your daily life look like right now? Yeah, so um, it is kind of different for me right now. So before this, I was a novice. So um, I didn't leave the monastery for a year, which in some ways kind of worked out that it overlapped with part of the pandemic because like the whole world was in novitiate with me, basically. Right, yeah. um, So now now I get to leave again, which is kind of fun and exciting. Um, But yeah, so uh, I mean, same Sister Julia talked about her orarium. Um, So I follow the same thing as the rest of the sisters. So uh, morning prayer at 6.45, and usually I'm off to school um, so I can get there before the students are there. Um, so through the morning, and then um, I can just barely hear the bells from my office. Unlike Sister Julia, I have to leave before they go off if I'm going to make it. So <laughs> I have a timer on my phone that will remind me to go so I can get to midday prayers, um, lunch with sisters and back to school and then home again for vespers and mass. And then usually evening is kind of time for us to rest and relax. So I cross stitch or things like that, or lots of times we, sometimes we have, there's a million webinars now. That's the great thing about (laughs) pandemic in some sense is everyone's putting out great material. So we've been watching a lot of webinars in the evenings. So that's really nice. Excellent. Yeah. So that's just kind of the normal. And then days I have classes, they do that instead of school. So, yeah. Instead of teaching, I'm learning on those days. <laughs> that is that is great. Well, now I think we're going to move to uh, prayer. We've got some bells that I think will ring here. Oh, there they go. There they are. It's kind of like your bells at your monastery. <laughs> yeah. I'm. Which fun fact I'm in charge of. So if anyone's ever in the neighborhood and they hear them go off at like 1 a.m., it's because I've mistyped a button. <laughs> <laughs> Woken up the entire neighborhood. They're so loud. I Because I'll, I'll walk from the school to the monastery like right before lunch or whatever, and I'll be right next to it. And I'm like, my, my brain is going to explode. It's, this is it's, like blaring in my It's ear. impressive. It's impressive, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, sister, about maybe if you could talk about like, maybe your own kind of personal prayer life. Um because you have, you have your liturgy hours, right? You pray as a community, but then do you have time to kind of pray on your own uh, and kind of like meditation that way? And, and then what do you, you know, what do you like to do kind of um, for yourself outside of like the communal prayer? 
again. I had teased the Sister Barbara is my formation director. And I teased her when you guys invited me that we were going to have to change the name for me. And that was, was to be glory, be ordinary people and how they try to pray. <laughs> I feel like I'm <laughs> more in that boat. But uh, Anywho. So, yeah. So we have our communal prayer, the community. Um, so that's uh, so morning, afternoon, evening with mass. And then for me, since I'm still in formation, um, I have a Compline with my formation director at night. Too, which honestly is my favorite hour <laughs> that we pray. Um, I mean, all the sisters pray it, but most of them pray it in their bedrooms. But uh, I think for me, it's just that beautiful, like kind of bookend to the end of my day. And then I also really appreciate, which I didn't think I would. It's the same Psalms every night. Right. <laughs> the other ones you have your four week cycle, but with it, it's the same three. And so now, I mean, I pretty much, got it memorized and I don't even need my book anymore, which most of the sisters are that way. Um, but it's just a really good time to just, um, I don't know, uh, maybe recenter. I tend, I'm kind of an introvert. Well, a real introvert anywho. Uh, and, uh, so I tend to kind of ruminate and think about things. And uh, so especially at night, that can cause me trouble because it's time to go to bed and I'm thinking about what happened during the day. So I think Compline's just a really good time to just recenter. Um, and I mean, the prayers themselves ask, help us to sleep so we can be refreshed for tomorrow. Um, so it's, it's a, uh, and there's something about praying in the dark. <laughs> I don't know, because we don't turn the lights on for it. It's just a really beautiful, sacred time. So that's uh, Sister Communal. I think Sister Julia, if, if people want to, they can go back and watch hers about the other hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to necessarily rehash, but yeah. So, so that's for, our, our, our communal prayer. For people who are listening, is Compline, is that, what does that mean? Like, is that evening prayer? Is that night prayer? Yeah, so it's our, our night prayer. So it's usually right before you go to bed. Um so we do have, we have evening prayer earlier, kind of right before dinner, kind of in dinner time. But yeah, Compline is kind of that very last thing you do before you go to bed, um, which I mean is quite helpful. Yeah, yes. Compline, Compline is it is really beautiful because, like you said, it is it's the same kind of psalm, so it's easy to to get them memorized. And I know for me, either either Compline can be my best hour of the day because it's because there's a little you know like examine of your day, or it's the worst one because it's like. 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, I just want to sleep. <laughs> and I just got to get through this, right. you know, and I'm like in my bed, like on my side in my breviaries right here. But, um, uh-huh. yeah, no. <laughs> that's the benefit yeah, of communal like, life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Lucy was you like... can't just lay in bed and pray. <laughs> yeah. No, it, yeah, it, it's yeah helpful. And, and I really enjoy it. I mean, we always sing a Mary and him to go with it. So like right now it's ordinary times. So Salve Regina. And that's always beautiful. Like, it was one of the very first like Latin prayers that I ever learned in college, and uh, so I love being able to sing it every night. So. Well, that's yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, another question we always ask is, uh, in terms of prayer, um, is there any time where you found it hard to pray, right? Or you know, maybe there was a time where you were still kind of learning how to pray and um, maybe a moment where you felt kind of far from God. And, and then what did you do about that? Or how did you, how did you kind of overcome that, that struggle? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's definitely still a struggle in some sense. Um, I guess for me, as a little bit as an engineer, and maybe as a kind of still in the college mode a little bit, is I want to be doing something. And it has, like, and I wanted to have, like, a specific purpose and a goal. So, like, I do my homework, finish it, and turn it in. Or even even at the school I'm going to, I got an IT ticket in from a teacher, I'm going to go work on it so I can mark the ticket complete. And that's just kind of how I work. And that's not how prayer works. Right, (laughs) right. uh, Especially with our, I mean, we have the practice of Lexio Divina, and it's, that's not how it works. (laughs) So I think kind of having to remind myself it's okay to um, not have a goal. It's okay if it feels like today nothing happened. Like just showing up is um, part of the practice. So that's definitely been something I've had to learn. Um, So when you do Lexio Divina, can you tell people like what you do, maybe give an example of how you do that uh, for people who don't know what that is? Yeah, so <laughs> I can put in a blurb. Our Lexio Divina looks a little different than like the normal what you think of like, with the steps. So if you want to learn more, you can come to School of Lexio. <laughs> but uh, you have anywho- to pay for advertisements <laughs> on this podcast. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anywho, uh, so ours looks a little different. So one of the big things for ours is it's this kind of sustained Lexio. So you sit with one passage for a long time, like months long. Um, so right now I'm working with uh, one of the Psalms. So for me, uh, my best time to try to do Lexio is after Compline. So because for me, Compline's kind of that good, like day done, like whatever I'm working on, I, I put it away and I can't touch it again because <laughs> it just kind of helps protect that space afterwards. Um, so after Compline and then um, are so officially our rooms are considered our monastic cells so not cells as in we're locked in but in the more traditional desert sense of that's it's where you rest it's where you um it's where you pray so i have a nice little corner next to my window that's my lexio spot so that i can kind of just get into that kind of feeling i have a candle and my bible sits next to it um but that's a lot of it for me is just so I have to go to my spot and um, just, like, be. And that's the hardest part for the first part. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> just not thinking about what I worked on today or what I'm going to work on tomorrow. So just trying to kind of clear that stuff away. And, of course, always with the help of the Holy Spirit. But um, And then, for me, a lot of it right now is still popping open my psalm and just reading it. And some days... A- word will stick out and I'll stick with that word some days nothing sticks out so all I can do is just kind of keep reading it and go with it um some days something will be weighing really hard on my mind and then um you can kind of I don't want to say like there's an answer like you pop open the bible and pick a random word and the answer's there but it'll at least give me something to think about in another way um maybe to kind of help pick through it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think the part I'm learning the most about it is like, um, I found since being in the monastery, I really like parables and I didn't realize that until I got here, like, and anything like that, like, I don't, 
it's one of those, you have to watch the theology, but I really like reading Edward Hayes. He's a priest that wrote, and he writes all these little short stories that always have some theological or moral, but those are, I grew up reading uh, science fiction and good science fiction. Like it's a world that looks different, but there's still like very, it's humans working in it and they're learning some truth. Anywho. I really like stories where you don't just like uh, learn the theology from someone telling you this is what you should do. And this is why it's right. I'd rather read a story and figure it out on my own <laughs> like, mm. uh, and, and kind of explore. Cause then it feels like an adventure. Like uh, I'm having to figure this out. Um, of course with mentors and we have so much good tradition in the church to help us, but um so I think trying to take that love and doing the same thing with the scripture of what is the scripture trying to tell me? Like this is treating it more like a parable than even if it's a psalm. Treating um, it as something that there's there's something to be discovered here. What 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 am I supposed to be discovering? What is God wanting me to know in this? Um, and not necessarily having a goal of discovering something, but just kind of more of like being willing to play with it. I guess interact. Right. So, yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. And it, yeah, it's, I mean, that's very much like, that's like the human condition. Like we are storytellers, you know? And so what, what's kind of the best way to, yeah. to spread the faith is, yeah. And I mean, there's good times to have like a theological treatise and, you know, listen to someone just lay it out objectively, but yeah. it's more enjoyable when it is like a story. Right. And, and, you know, like you said, I love, I love parables too. Cause they make it, it makes it super e- easy to preach. Cause you're just like, let me lay out the story for you versus like, you yeah. know, Jesus said this like very clear thing and it's hard to expand from that. But, but I also like what you said about, um, you know, prayer, it doesn't have necessarily an end. Right. And I think a lot of people that can be really frustrating cause they're like, I put this in, therefore I should get something out of it. Right. Every time. And it's not necessarily the case. I mean, that's, we had a talk on friendship last week and, um, you know, one thing about friendship, it, it was just wasting time with someone else. Right. And that's really what prayer is. Sometimes is just wasting time with God. Right. And, um, and to have that kind of mentality, it's hard to get there. Right. And it's, I mean, even if you are like, yeah. <laughs> like a full-time prayer, it's, it's, it's still difficult to do. But, um, but that, so one last thing, sister, uh, that we ask everyone, if there was one prayer intention you could ask everyone to pray for in the whole world, what would it be? What's one thing that you would want every single person to be praying for? Yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. Let's see. I think for me, one thing that always strikes me when I'm out working is when I run into people who have lost hope. And I think maybe mm. it kind of is more striking now because of the pandemic, but right. not so much in hope as in like this will never get better. But I'll, I'll run into people who even they'll say it jokingly usually, but kind of like the uh, like I'm too far gone, like oh I could never be a sister, I'm too far gone, or I could never go back to like I won't go, to, I'm not going to church because I'm too far gone. Mm. That's really hopeless. Like right. it just it's heartbreaking, even if they're saying it jokingly. Uh, but um, but I know I can also do the same thing. I've done something, and oh man. I can never come back after this. Um, and I think it's, it's not something we can pull ourselves out of. We need, we need the Holy spirit to come and break us out of that mentality. And so we need people. We, if we pray for we can pray for other people that, that they can make it out of that. Um, 
I guess, yeah, it's just what I've been thinking about just because maybe the people I've been interacting with or, um, I love that. I, I heard somebody say recently they talked about the world sort of being collectively depressed. Uh, yeah. And I thought, you know, people are feeling this hopelessness. So, yes, God bless. Come, Holy Spirit, bless the hopeless. Give them perseverance. Well, gosh, this was so – thank you so much, Sister Lucy. Thanks, this sister. was just excellent. And uh, we always end, you know, we're called Glory Be, Interesting People and How They Pray. So we established that you were interesting and that you were prayerful. And now we're going <laughs> to wrap it up. And uh, we always ask our guests to lead us in the Glory Be. Oh, no pressure. Okay. In the Father, and Holy Spirit, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. That was great. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.